Well, this morning um, we are in continuing this series called Psalms for the Summer, um, and uh, we are in Psalm 100 this morning. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, um, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, they're going to be the verses are going to be on the screen as well. But before we get into the chapter this morning, I want to just make the point that there are generally three categories of people. There are those who hate God or deny him. There are those who ignore God. These are people who believe that he exists, but that faith has little to no impact on their life. And then there are those who worship him. And just about everybody can fit into one of those three categories. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes I think even church attenders tend to shift into that second category where they know the truth about who God is, they believe that he exists, but yet it doesn't really impact their life in any meaningful way. And that is really sad to me, because if we know who God is and we understand his love and we have an understanding of what that means for us, then it should change something inside of us, that we shouldn't just live our lives going through life as if God makes no difference in us. And so Psalm 100 is a challenge, it's an encouragement to be a worshiper. And I hope that you're a worshiper this morning, and we're going to talk about what that means and, and look about what um, this particular psalm encourages us to do. So let's read it together in verse 1. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Now that is a, a short passage of scripture this morning. So I know what you're thinking. Short scripture, short message. <laughs> Well, I'm going to disappoint. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it actually will be a short time, but I, I want to give us an opportunity as I'm going to challenge you to be a worshiper this morning that we would respond in that way. And so we're going to, we're going to worship again at the end. But I think this particular psalm teaches us several things about what it means to be a worshiper. And the first one is to make some noise, to make some noise. Now, I've been a pastor. I've been a worship leader. Uh, I've, I've done that long enough to know one thing. Church can be an awful lot like a Milli Vanilli concert. Now, for those of you who don't get that reference, <laughs> Milli Vanilli was a pop group that was like huge in the late 80s and early 90s. But um, what they discovered was that they weren't actually singing at their concerts. They were lip syncing the entire time. Uh, and it was a big scandal and it was a huge deal at the time. Um, but church can kind of be that way too. It's like, yeah, we come to church, we put the, the words on the screen, and the good news is the band is loud enough that nobody's going to know if I'm singing or not. <laughs> and so we kind of go through the motions. Uh, listen, let me ask this, this question and, and something to think about. Why is singing so important? I believe that God designed singing 
to stir something up in us. Music can affect our mood. It can motivate us. Like I, I even use music sometimes if I'm doing a difficult workout. You know, I'll put my headphones and listen to music to motivate me, to pump me up. It even, like sometimes I'll even, um, if I'm running at a certain pace, I'll, like, I'll pick songs that have a certain beats per minute so that it can, can kind of help guide my pace. Music has an incredible power over our lives, over our emotions, um, and it can also be incredibly nostalgic, right? It's, it's not just worship music either, like those songs that you remember from your childhood or, or from when you were younger, um, they can trigger memories, they can, they can bring back memories, almost like, like the sense of a smell can, right? It, it triggers those moments in your life. Um, I want to give you an example of how the, the power of, of music and the power of singing uh, can really create a moment. Earlier this year, uh, Charlotte FC, it's the, the new um, soccer team in Charlotte, North Carolina, had their, their first ever match as part of the MLS. And, and they set a record for attendance. They had 75,000 people in attendance that day. And like most teams and, and most sporting events in this country, you bring in this big recording artist to come and sing the national anthem at the beginning of the game, right? Um, well, something happened at this game. As, as um, this lady began singing the national anthem, her mic stopped working. And uh, I, I just want you to see what happened next. Check this out. Isn't that cool? You know, singing can have that incredible um, effect on us. That's why God calls us to do that. That's why that's part of worship. Now, I, listen, I know that there are a lot of excuses that we can make um, why we don't worship, why we don't sing. Um, and um, I'm going to just kind of go over a few of those this morning. Some of you might get mad at me. That's okay. Uh, so here's the first one that I've heard before. It's that I can't sing. Well, yeah, 
That's because you've been lip syncing, okay? <laughs> if you would sing a little bit, you would learn how to sing, right? The Bible says make a joyful noise, not a pretty noise, okay? Uh, now, look, I get it. Some of you are bad. I'm not going to lie. But here's what you do. If you are tone deaf and you don't want anybody to hear you, sit in the front row. The worship team, they're not going to care. They put, ear, they put earbuds in their ears anyways. They're not going to hear you at all. You can sing as loud and as obnoxiously as you want. It'll be wonderful. That's why I sit in the front row. <laughs> no, um, we, you, have to, you have to actually vocalize that. It doesn't matter what the quality is that comes out of your mouth. It's about what's in your heart and the expression of that that comes out. And so just because you think you're not a good singer or you're not talented enough or you don't have enough ability, that doesn't excuse you from participating, right? This is a corporate worship setting. We're singing together. We're in this together. Um, now, I'll just give you a little story from my childhood. Uh, my family, we always sat right up in the front row. And there's this guy uh, and his wife that sat right behind us. His name is Doug. And he sounded like a cow in labor when he sang. I mean, he could not sing. Every note that he sung was the same note. And it was never in the right key. I mean, it was like he would purposely avoid the song that we, the, the key that we were singing in. And, and listen, as a Lutheran, like, we grew up, we didn't have a band to cover the, the bad singers. Like, you think, oh, the drums are too loud here. We do that on purpose so you don't have to hear yourself, okay? No, we had a piano and an organ, and we had Doug, and he was louder than all of them. <laughs> and, you know, I joke about it now, but I never got mad at Doug because he had the joy of the Lord in his heart. And he sang with... with a joyful noise. He was a true worshiper. Every Sunday, every Sunday night service, every time that there was church, he was there and he was participating and he was singing because of what God had done for him. All right, so if you can't sing, that's not a good enough excuse. Here's the second one. I'm not an expressive person. This is also known as I'm a Norwegian syndrome, okay? <laughs> How many of you just die a little bit inside and when the worship team's like, all right, everybody lift up a shout of praise. And you're like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to do that, right? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, can we be done now? <laughs> listen, I can sympathize. I'm Norwegian too. Um, I, listen, I'll shout all you want. Just don't ask me to dance, okay? I'm telling you, I, oh, it's just, it's painful for me. I mean, it's humiliating. And, and listen, the only reason that I will dance is because the Bible tells me to do it, okay? I, there is no, nothing on earth that would motivate me to do that. But because God's word says to do it, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> like, like, have you seen the movie Hitch? Where he's like, let me teach you, how, this is where you live, right here. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel. Like, that's, that is pushing it for me, right? Um, I went to the, the um, Maverick City music concert last night, and, and they were with Kirk Franklin. And uh, he's, by the way, I mentioned to the worship team that, that I went and saw Kirk Franklin in concert last night. They're like, who is he? 
I'm like, wow, I feel old. <laughs> Kirk Franklin is 52 years old. He doesn't have an ounce of fat on his entire body. You know why? Because every time he goes and does a concert, he dances for four hours straight. I mean, the guy is just a bundle of energy. <laughs> um, listen, if you feel like it, and if you don't feel like it, it doesn't matter, okay? Worship is a command from Scripture. It tells us to shout. It tells us to sing. It tells us to dance, yeah. right? And sometimes we just need to recognize that God's word is our authority and just be obedient, whether we like it or not. All right, third excuse. The way that we worship at our church isn't the right way. Now, none of you would ever um, express an opinion about worship or music. In fact, um, usually um, in church over, over the years, I've been a pastor now, I'm trying to think about 17 years, and I have heard... Um, I have heard just about every possible criticism. Our worship is too modern. Our worship is too old. Our worship is too boring. Our worship is too loud. Our worship is too exciting. Whatever it might be. Um, our, worship, our, music, our worship team is just showing off. Our, our worship team. Uh, listen, back when I was a certain age and we sang these songs, it was good back then. Or uh, we're still singing songs from like 2018. <laughs> like, what is this? Like, we need to get things updated a little bit before I can worship the Lord. <laughs> can I tell you something? Those are all terrible excuses. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, the next step that, that people will do when they don't like the music is they'll say, oh, you know what? Songs just don't have the same theology that they used to. They don't, they don't, you know, songs used to be rich in theology. They used to have meaning. They used to have purpose. No, actually, back then, there were bad theological songs, too. It's just that, that uh, you don't like the style. And, and that's okay to have a style preference. You know what? We all have a style preference. The sooner that we can acknowledge that we have a style preference, the sooner we can get over it, Okay. It is okay to like the music that you like, and it is okay if you don't like the music that we sing on, on Sundays. You know what? Sometimes I don't like the music that we sing on Sundays, and, and I, don't, I don't give my opinion about that. In fact, you can ask any of our worship leaders if I tell them what songs that they should or shouldn't do. I keep my mouth shut. You know why? Because I'm trusting people who I respect who I want to honor, who I want to give the opportunity that if they're called to lead worship and they're operating in that role, I want to give them the freedom to listen to the Holy Spirit and to lead the songs that are on their heart, that, that God is leading them to lead. And it doesn't matter if I like the song or not, I'm going to come with an attitude that I'm going to worship the Lord regardless. All right, number four, we're still going here. Yeah, I got more. Don't worry. No. <laughs> I'm worried about what other people might think. Now, this is the easiest one for me to rebut, okay? Look at the person next to you. See, see them right there? They are far too busy worrying about what other people are thinking about them to think about what you are doing when you worship the Lord, okay? All right? Nobody cares, right? Nobody's, nobody's judging you. Nobody's thinking, oh, man, they are really getting into it this morning. <laughs> like, oh, boy. <laughs> no, they're worried about what other people are thinking about them. And the truth is that nobody's thinking about each other, right? Uh, let's just worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's express what's in our heart 
to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Okay, next one. That was a quick one. Number five, I'm not free to worship the way that I want to. Now, this is a smaller group, uh, but there are, um, I know, I know, by the way, that this is a Pentecostal church, and some people who come to a Pentecostal church for the first time, you're like, whoa, <laughs> like what is going on? These people are out of their minds because the worship experience is a little bit different um, than what you've experienced in the past. But, but here's the deal. Like we have a culture here at this church. This is something that is part of, of what we do. And uh, it's consistent from week to week that we are expressive in our worship to the Lord. Now, some people probably wish that maybe we were more expressive or expressive in different ways. Like um, maybe uh, you're a flag waver person, right? Or maybe you're a bring your own tambourine. Listen, if you bring your own tambourine, we're going to confiscate that thing, okay? <laughs> now, here's, here's why. Um, when your worship becomes a distraction to somebody else's ability to worship, then we're not loving our neighbor, Right? And I know this is all a little bit relative, right? And it can change from different church to different church. And there might be some churches that, hey, listen, bring your flags, bring your tambourines, um, dance around like a crazy person, go nuts, have fun. That's part of the, the, the culture there. Here, it would be a, a distraction and people would be unable to worship. So every church has a culture. We're an expressive church, but we, we kind of have some boundaries there. So yeah, lift your hands, sing loudly, worship the Lord, but do it without um, distracting someone else. You know, another question might be to ask, is my expression of worship for Jesus or is it to bring attention to me? Um, somebody a while back asked me if they could sing a song in church. And I said, well, listen, we, we do music through a worship team. And so if you want to sing in church, you want to lead a, a song, then uh, you have to go and be a part of that worship team and serve in that capacity first. And um, they didn't appreciate that advice. And they said, listen, I don't do practice. And I said, well, then you don't do music in church. Like, this, this, is, the, this is the channel that, that we go through. This is the way that we operate because order and structure are, are honoring to the Lord. And, and we want to give him our best. And so we... we treat this, this worship service as a sacred time, and, it, and it's important. It's not just somebody, it's not a talent show. It's not an opportunity for you to show off how wonderful or how amazing you are. It's a chance to gather together and to corporately worship God in a way that's honoring and pleasing to him. And there's not one defined way to do that, but we have a way that we do it here at this church, and we want to honor the Lord in this place. All right. So, so that's point number one. I told you we were going to take a while. This, no, I'm just kidding. The rest will go faster. Make some noise. Be enthusiastic about your worship. Second thing that, that we notice here is to serve with a good attitude. Did you know that service is worship? In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says it this way. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So worship, yes, it includes singing. It includes that public expression to God for, for his greatness. But it also um, tells us in this psalm to serve the Lord with gladness. In fact, it's not just enough to serve, but you have to serve with the right attitude too. 
There are some people in the body of Christ that think of themselves as worshipers because they sing and they dance and they lift their hands. And can I tell you something that's good, but that's not everything. If you don't serve, then you're not a worshiper. And it's not enough to serve because you have to. You have to do it with gladness in your heart. Your service is almost less important than your attitude about your service. Now, there are a number of reasons why people don't serve. Um, One that I hear is that I just feel like I don't have anything to offer. Can I tell you something? That's a lie, right? You have something to offer. You are part of the body of Christ. God didn't make you by mistake. He didn't put things inside of you by accident. Um, Now, I will say this. You shouldn't just serve in any area because you want to serve. In fact, some of you would make lousy greeters. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's just not your spiritual strength. Um, we understand that. But there are other places where you can serve. Some of you, not going to be so good on the worship team. Listen, we, we love that you sing loudly, but we're not going to give you a microphone to do it, right? But every person has value, and God has put things inside of you that have a purpose, that have a, he's, he's given that to you for a reason, and he wants you to use it. And in fact, if you don't use it, you're harming the body of Christ, yeah. right? There's an entire chapter in the book of Corinthians that talks about the different parts of the body of Christ and how one part is not less significant than the other part. One part can't say to the other, I don't need you anymore, Right? You have value because of what God has put inside of you. Second excuse that I hear, this is probably the most common one, I'm too busy. Have any of you said that before? You're not going to admit it now. You, listen, usually, usually this is a lie, okay? And it may not, not even be an intentional lie, but it's maybe a lie that you're telling yourself, right? Because we all have time for the things that we really care about, for the things that we really want to do. Listen, uh, I want to do certain things, and if I really want to do them, I'm going to find a way to fit them into my life. Now, I might have to adjust some things. I might have to change some things around. Um, but like, if I really want to watch a sporting event, um, it might be that um, my team plays on Sunday morning. Well, guess what? I can't watch it well, live, but I can record it and watch it later. Like, I make time for the things that I care about. And listen, if you care about the church, you're going to find time to serve in the church, all right? And if you don't have time, if that is true, that you are too busy to give anything to the Lord, to serve him in any way, then maybe you need to adjust your schedule a little bit. Maybe you need to cut some things out. Uh, Here's the third one. I'm burned out. Uh, I've heard this one before. And listen, here's the deal. A lot of people try to do too much. Just because you're serving doesn't mean you have to do everything, okay? And, and some of you need to hear this, okay? Because I know that you want to serve and you want to honor God and you get these ideas in your head and you offer to be a part of everything and you offer to do everything. And then when it comes down to actually doing something, you'd never do it well because you're too tired from everything else that you've taken on, right? Serve the Lord, honor him with what he's called you to do. Don't try to do too much. Um, but then also, burnout, I, I believe, also comes from serving out of obligation rather than worship, right? Oh, I, like, I know I'm supposed to serve. I know I'm supposed to do something. I feel guilty if I don't, so I'm going to do it. And then every time you do it, it feels like a drag. 
And you get burnt out because it's not, you're not serving out of worship. You're not serving out of the right heart or the right attitude. Listen, there are people in this church that do a lot, right? That serve almost every single week in some way, maybe in multiple different areas. And they don't complain about it. You know why? Because it's a joy to serve the Lord when your heart is right. And you don't get so caught up in, oh man, this is so much work. This is so hard. No, it's a privilege and an honor to serve the Lord. And as long as you have balance in your life and you have the right heart and the right mentality, the right attitude, you're serving the Lord with gladness rather than out of obligation. You're not going to get burnt out. All right, next one is to be thankful. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Um, This is a picture of God's people coming together for a corporate worship setting. It's entering the gates of the temple. It's coming together um, with the rest of the the believers. It's, It's entering into a corporate atmosphere of worship. And, and, and we're supposed to enter with thanksgiving. How many times do we walk through the doors of a church or, or into a gathering or something like this with anything on our mind outside of thanksgiving, right? We're thinking about what's going on in our day. We're thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch afterwards. We're thinking about um, how our children are dressed. We're thinking about all these different things that can, um, that can distract us, that can uh, discourage us, that can cause worry or stress. What if we just made the decision that every day that we gather together with the body of Christ, whatever it might be, whether it's a small group, whether it's a worship night, whether it's a Sunday morning worship service, whether it's a Bible study, whatever it might be, we walk in those doors with an attitude of thanksgiving for what God has done for us. I'm telling you, our services would be on fire. If we, if we chose to do that, if we walked in every day ready to worship, thankful for what he's done for us, I'm telling you, it would explode, right? And it's so easy to get tied up with all the other things of life and get stressed out about everything else. Can I encourage you something? When we have these opportunities to gather, let's focus on the thing that matters most. Let's focus on our Savior. The truth makes it easier to worship. When we understand who God is, then, then when we're grateful for what he's done for us, that brings us to the next one. It's to remember who God is and who we are. I want to just read this verse again. Verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It's he who has made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then the very last verse, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Listen, your value as a person doesn't come from who you are doesn't come from what you're capable of doing. It's all about whose you are. When we understand that we're his, when we understand what he's done for us, what he's rescued us from, when we understand that it's about him, it changes the way we think about us. 
with the way that we think about each other as well. That's where worship is born. That's where it comes from. It's a recognition of, of his faithfulness, of his goodness. That's why this chapter that's encouraging us to worship ends with that, because that's the most important thing. It's him. It's not about your form. It's not about your, your expression. It's not about your, your style. It's not even about your personality. It's about his faithfulness and his goodness and his unbelievable love for us. So this morning, uh, as, as we close, I want to give us an opportunity to respond. I want us to practice this worship. Um, I can preach this all day till I'm blue in the face, but unless it, it, it goes from here to here, it's not going to do any good, right? Um, you know, we, we talk about worship a lot as singing, and that's because that's a, a very scriptural way to worship the Lord. Um, and maybe that's not your thing, and maybe that doesn't get you excited, but listen, I hope the grace of Jesus Christ gets you excited. So let's remember what he's done for us as the worship team comes. And I'm going to just pray, and then we'll worship together one more time. Lord, we thank you that you are good. Lord, we thank you that your love endures forever, that your faithfulness is for all generations. And Lord, we're here today acknowledging that we need you, that our hope is in you, and that we are confident of who you've made us to be. We're yours. We're your people. We want to honor you.